Welcome back to the Lampoon Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are, as always, brought to you in partnership by our sponsors, Above and Bold. They are an independent, UK-based, family-run clothing brand, inspired by you and worn by you. Above and Bold create bold and unique urban clothing for you to take your creativity to the streets. Above all, Above and Bold set out to create creative clothing for you to take your own story your own creative impulse, whatever your outlet is, do it in bold. You need their designs in your life, on your body. They've got some unique stuff that you will never see anywhere else. If you don't believe me, go and check them out on Instagram. Go and check them out on Facebook. But most importantly, if you look up Above and Bold at abovenbold.co.uk, You can purchase from them directly and check out what they've got in store. Welcome to episode five of the Lampoon podcast. Today we have our special guest is Mr. Grant Allen. Grant is a seasoned performer on the South Coast and we're looking forward to speaking to him. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the fifth episode of the Lampoon Podcast. It, me, as always, GD Jones, along with Parks. Howdy, all right? And today we are joined by our guest, Grant Allen. Uh, I just want to address something right away. There is not a single minute that I believe that Vicky didn't know what tarmacking was. <laughs> I, I just do not believe for one second she didn't know what it was. All you got to do is look at her and listen to her stand up to realise that woman knows a lot about scat. <laughs> yeah, I kind of gathered that. From, from someone who has a sex tape of their child's conception, you know, that. I mean, that's a nice thing to keep, I, I think. <laughs> what, when you've, when you've had a kid? Yeah, take... I mean, just so when you want to embarrass them on their 21st birthday, that's what it's for, isn't it? Do you have these baby boxes, they have like a lock of hair and like a birth certificate and. A Here's a video tape. of your mother just getting <laughs> railed. <laughs> From yeah. my point of view, I think it's quite nice to at least know when your child was conceived. As you spit, <laughs> as your dad's spitting into your mother's mouth and then slapping her in the face. <laughs> Do you know when yours were conceived, Craig? No, no idea. There you go. <laughs> Should probably get rid of the lodger then, mate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've had them all right. tested. They're all definitely mine. But they look like you as well, because that'd be unfortunate. Yeah. Oof. Even the black one, which is really <laughs> <laughs> the black one's got a shaved head and a beard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, kids mature quickly nowadays. <laughs> God, that was awful. Sorry, boys. That's all right. It's very yeah. scratchy. It's very scratchy online. Has someone got an itch? Is that better? Oh, that's much better. Yeah, it sounded like you were. I think. Cause, I think because it was um, up against my t-shirt rather than. Now I'm oh, holding. Yeah. I'm, I'm on a headset because this modern technology scares me. You're on a head. What is it like? A gaming headset? No, it's just like a pair of headphones. 
Oh, well, okay. All this right. is really interesting for the podcast people, isn't it? Like, anybody listening? Like, oh, I got G. Like, I got bigged up quite a bit by, by Vicky saying that it was going to be a good podcast. I feel this might be untrue. <laughs> I was waiting for the big start when you start talking about how you were the man in the van smashing that woman up. <laughs> oh yeah and also yeah i'm unfortunately guys i'm not actually into anything that weird i just like jamming things into orifices so i mean if she cries a bit i don't mind but it's not a preference <laughs> is that when you stick it in her eye oh yeah. i mean is is it an orifice until you do that or is it... <laughs> you make are you making orifices uh, no <laughs> i think if um... it goes in it's an orifice <laughs> Which, I mean, with there's that attitude, there there's no. <laughs> it gives you a lot more options with that attitude. <laughs> oh, so like you get, you should worry about comedians because you never know when we're not lying. So it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to meet a comedian in a dark alley. I don't care, you know. Oh Christ! Yeah, especially somebody trying to get you into a gig. Because <laughs> usually the gigs are in dark alleyway. Well, the doors are usually in dark alleyways. <laughs> they are at the minute. Yeah. Come on in, love. I'll make you laugh. <laughs> Thing is, we'll all do anything for a gig now as well. Well, yeah. I mean, there's um, Callum doing the the like. Out, well, he's on about doing out on Southsea Common, and he's done one in Waterlooville as well, hasn't he? Yeah, I did that one in Waterlooville with him on Thursday. I think it was Thursday, Thursday yeah. and then doing the um, me and Gav doing the outside one. On Saturday. Oh, cross! Is that that's uh, uh, that's on the common, isn't it? The Sassy Common. Go watch that if it's not raining. Even if it is raining, what else are you going to be doing? Bring what? an umbrella. <laughs> Stick it I in mean, an orifice. Oh. You know, normally these podcasts start with like, "Oh, how long you been into comedy? How long you been doing comedy?" So grunt. So grunt. How did you get into comedy? Where did it all begin? Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's plow on like a professional. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so I decided I was going to start doing comedy because of a podcast, because of uh, Joey Diaz's podcast, The Church. What's happening now? And like every like month, he'll do he'll he won't have a guest on. He'll just talk about how he got into comedy. And the reasons why he started telling jokes and stuff like that, and it just sort of appealed to me. Not like, not that I've had a life anywhere near like Joey Diaz's. Like, oh, never been a cocaine addict, never gone to prison for kidnapping someone. But what have you gone to prison for? Um, I did two weeks on the Roman uh, wing in Red and Nick for an assault I didn't do. But that's... <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I, I had a bit of a wild twenties. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, uh, but yeah, like that podcast really spoke to me and the re- like the reasons why like he wanted to uh like do comedy and that sort of thing and his like that style of comedy has always appealed to me like I, I love all kinds of jokes but the the storytelling and stuff like that's always spoken to me more especially when it's talking about life like there's nothing like nobody really wants to be with you to celebrate your failures they want to laugh at you no, sorry celebrate your, your victories they want to laugh at your failures with you because like that's where your real friends are it's, it's really easy to be mates with someone if they're doing well, but when they're doing badly and laughing, like, you know, and trying to make you laugh about it at the same time, that, and, or, and that's your, like, job as well, you know, to try and do the, you know, I can't, mate, could be worse, that sort of thing. It's like the, the yeah. humour in the face of adversity. 
and um that that's like I've, I've always liked storytelling and stuff like that and then the first uh gig in the uk i ever did was run by i think it was some university students as part of their degree they had to put on an event for a certain amount of time and they put a poster saying it was for everything for you know the open mic the, the comedy spoken word poetry uh instruments and stuff like that and it was just people coming to play their instruments i was the only person doing stand up there and i went on right after a white rastafarian <laughs> band so that, <laughs> that was a, it was that was at the milton in um strange enough milton um but yeah, that, Do you remember the name of the band? I can't. I don't think they exist anymore. I think they probably had to stop doing what they were doing. They're called um, Coldplay now. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. or um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was it. wasn't It wasn't a pleasant experience. And then um, somebody pointed me into contact with Mike Franklin and Perry Riley and that, and started doing the Dolphin. And then through that, I got into contact with Dan Churchley. Started doing uh, silent comedy events. And then through that, met the wider comedy community all over the South. And yeah, it's, it's, there's been a few paid gigs, but they have been few and far between. And it's mostly been open mic nights. And I still really enjoy it. Still really enjoy going around and just trying to see if a joke works. So how long have you, how long have you been doing it? For? Uh, probably nearly four years now, but like only two years, not drunk. So, <laughs> so we'll go with the two years. Okay. So, I mean, because there was interesting when you talk about open mics and that. Vicky mentioned last week that you did start it up an open mic. Um, I didn't start it. Um, like that was a that was one of Baku's friends. Well, I can't remember the name of, <clears throat> but that was that that was done at the um, uh, the Talking Heads in Southampton. It's not there anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I did a gig for Elbert up at, uh, in Southampton. It was one that she was running at some like American theme bar, uh, Liberty, I think it was called. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Baku from there and he invited me to do his Talking Heads gig. And then through progressively doing that every month, I ended up like Baku was starting to go like, oh, you know, a load of people. Can you book some, uh, some comedians and stuff like that? So it wasn't really me running it. It was just me reaching out to people going like, oh, yeah, there's this gig in Southampton. You want to come do it? And So, yeah, I wasn't really running it. I had no like, real contact with anybody at that venue. It was just no. like us just like we're assuming we get the stage time. So <laughs> we just turn up. <laughs> yeah, because I do remember that. Oh, that Liberty. Well, Liberty was there. I don't know, for about a year. I think it's just boarded up now. Uh, wouldn't surprise but, but I do remember. Yeah, I do remember. It was yeah, it was a bit of. It, it, I say it was American. It was proper spit and sawdust. Oh. In there. Yeah, that was a, more spit, more spit than sawdust. I think. Yeah, that was another weird gig where I went on. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was another weird one. Yeah, but that was another weird gig where I went on after it was some uh, girl talking about how you shouldn't use the word cunt anymore because it's not feminist. And I went on right after, quite bevied up, and went into quite a long diatribe of how, if you're going to say that, I want you to stop saying cock, asshole, and everything. And then it eventually evolved into stop saying faggot because it, like, <laughs> so you can start saying faggot because just because that word now means something horrible, before it was just somebody, it was just a bundle of sticks, and then they said it became a burden, and it was really ridiculous. And Baku seemed to like that, so that <laughs> that was. A, <laughs> Like I don't do that now. Like that's 
You can still buy brains. Well, yeah, exactly. But like, it, it, like, I don't think I've ever heard like the, that word used actually to mean a gay person. It's always been like, like it isn't a der- it's a derogatory term, and you shouldn't use it. But like, I've only ever heard it used to like demean somebody for like or whinging or never been because somebody's been fabulous but yeah like, like i don't use that word it's just not fast. but i decided i was going to do a big rant because of girls so i couldn't say something <laughs> <laughs> does that happen a lot um there's a lot like i got banned from um like PM promotions that run dolphin banned me for about months because i was running it a- We lost you. Oh, we lost you, Grant. Oh, he's back. He's back. Oh, yeah. there we go. You're I'm back. back. Good. So you got banned. You were just saying you got banned from PM Promotions because, and then you went. Oh, you've gone again. Wait, oh. are we here? Are we here? <laughs> can you hear me? I can now. Okay, yeah. good. Sorry. Yeah, I got banned from the Dolphin because at the time I was working out a bit about the Harvey Weinstein stuff. About like, yeah, it's terrible, and they should bury him under the um, prison. But I give him a blowjob for a part of the film, and I think it's very bad that all these other women have pulled the ladder up like, from behind them for me. <laughs> and, um, somebody in the audience took exception to it, and I can understand why, because it's you know a bit controversial. But um, yeah, she started kicking off about it, and I fired back. It, you know, it was more of the like either everything's okay to talk about, especially when I'm the fool guy of this joke. And all Perry, Perry told me later, all we wanted you to do was say sorry, because this went on. Like I had about a 45-minute argument with her and her boyfriend at the bar about <laughs> why why it wasn't okay for me to say that. And I just didn't think it was. <laughs> I didn't think they were right. And that's an interesting thing. Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. Yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you. I think it, and that's the thing. It, it's, you know, again, we had this conversation about, you know, with Callum about what you say is... Well, that's the thing. Like when you when you're on stage, I, I don't mean it. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm saying something ridiculous to get a uh, you know like a, a reaction out of you. Like and that's like an unwritten contract, which a lot of people seem to forget. And it's not like you're standing on your soapbox saying this is how it is. Yeah, you're there. It's an open comedy night, open mic. Night. Yeah, and like I'm going to be working on and... stuff. Some of it's going to suck. Like uh, some of it's not going to work. I, we all think we're the funniest people that have ever lived whenever we write a joke and it, it open mics are the real important bits where you're like, oh I'm I'm kind of a hack and, then, and but you, you know eventually through that failing over and over again you eventually realise like oh okay this is how a, uh, a beat works before I throw a punchline in and just like throwing out something doesn't work quite as well if you want to get an audience to follow you into a like a, a premise that maybe isn't you know, you wouldn't mention in polite conversation, kind of a thing. Um, but you still, part of it is taking chances, yeah. isn't it? You, you know, that's that's what it's all about. You're taking the chance to see if it can make someone laugh. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If it does, it does. Yeah, and and you, you feel like a genius for that ten minutes when it when it, everything comes together and people yeah. are laughing when you want them to laugh and every beat that you, you know, like like every beat of your like your communication is exactly on point and it all adds to a joke and it takes a while to learn how to do it but once you get good like going with a tight turn and all that kind of stuff and being able to go out to venues outside of your town where you're used to the audience because let's be honest most people that turn up to open mics are the same people week in week out like it's it's very difficult to get 
a large diverse audience in if that makes any sense like the people that come to open mics are comedy fans so they do give you a bit of the benefit of the doubt but being able to go out to other places where perhaps it's not an open mic perhaps this is ticketed or whatever or it's some pub in brighton where it's packed and they weren't expecting comedy but guess what <laughs> you've got to crack on with it it's um it is really gratifying to be able to say like oh yeah i made them all laugh without right you know without falling back onto like the simple stuff that you know maybe works everywhere but it's something that you found funny not something that you thought people were going to find funny that makes any sense yeah grant have you ever been caught off guard where you like had a link into a joke which actually ends up being funnier than what you thought it would be and therefore you haven't quite gotten yourself yeah that that happens all the time um and it, sometimes it's just some people like you know some places like where with my opening bit it's a good opening bit but sometimes i get a laugh midway through it where i'm not expecting it and you know you're like oh, i wasn't going to pause it oh now this is going to be forced and that, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah it throws you off but then and again that's another learning curve where you do sort of learn like oh i wasn't expecting that but i'll take it and then <laughs> and then you like you, you can kind of address it and all that like it that's what I tend to do when that happens. Um, it, it's like it, I like being honest with an audience rather than trying to be like, no, this is polished and I'm meant to do every single bit about that. I like, I, I, I like yeah. letting the like, letting people watching in on. I'm not really 100% sure on what's going to happen next. Like I don't. Like, I like being like, even though I've got a fair idea, it, this could go horribly wrong. I, like you people might not like this, and some people won't, and like I, I have kind of tailored my material to not everybody's going to like this because I found if you're doing stuff that everybody likes, it's not as fun as if there's say 20 people in the room and four people are disgusted, but everybody else is having a lovely time. It's much more fun to like <laughs> interact with those people that aren't going along with a big group because laughter is contagious. And you like, the, the, I like examining the, the, the surety people have of like, Oh no, th- that's not funny. Okay. What's up, mate? Like, why didn't you like that? <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, we, me and Craig, have had this conversation before. It always depends on the room. And uh, there's some, there's a there's a joke that Craig does, where I think it was the first time you told it, Craig, and it got a big laugh. A part of the joke, and I forget which one it was. But then every other time you did it afterwards, you paused, waiting for a laugh, and then it didn't get it in those <laughs> rooms. Oh, there's nothing worse than that. Where where. Like I've done, a lot, I did a gig in um, Southampton, where I think that, like Dan Churchy was running it at the Frog and the Frigate, and like it was like every everywhere else I went, the, like every beat of my jokes were working, and then I did it in the Frog and Frigate, and genuinely I might as well have written in my notes, pause for applause, and that was the, like it, <laughs> it was just it was so it, like it kills your soul a little bit, doesn't it? Like it's. There's nothing worse than cracking a joke. And everybody looks at you. Not getting reaction. <laughs> and then, because the best, the best I've ever seen anyone deal with that is Ben McLaughlin. He has such a good recovery. Well, such a good recovery that's because he goes on expecting to lose. So <laughs> like, anything more than that for yeah. him is a win. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I've got so much time for that. I really like his stuff. And I'm very happy that he mentioned quite a few times in his podcast and it's led to a trend 
So I'm getting mentioned quite a lot in these podcasts without really doing much work. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but where did you go around? Because you're probably quite... Uh... Yeah, I'm here. Oh, oh sorry. It's going all crackling. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, your comedy's quite quite sort of honest, though, isn't it? You tell a lot about... Cause I was in the, the Navy, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah like... It's weird. Like, when I started comedy i was trying to do like the try like yeah I was, it's really weird you go on like you go on with an idea in your head of how you want to sound and how you want to come across to an audience and all that kind of stuff and for me that wasn't it wasn't working i would like i was trying to do the like the very much the sort of working class hero kind of comedy and whilst you know, i've worked on building sites since i was like 16 it's um it's not honest in like the way that I am if that makes any sense so like you know in in the you know and it it takes a while to get that like if if you want to do that kind of comedy like there's character comedy and all that kind of stuff but it's weird it's like an audience can kind of smell it on you if you're being dishonest does that make any sense they kind of get where like you've you've written something as if it's happened to you and it hasn't because you know it's not in your mind I mean you can commit to those bits and that you know I'm sure there's a lot of comedians that have made that work, but it, it just really didn't work for me. So I basically drew from the well <laughs> of the colossal failure that is my life, I suppose. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Like, um, I, I just find being honest is the way to be. Like, it's it's weird when you work. Like, I'm, I'm pretty convinced I've worked with at least six of the greatest comedians that have ever lived that just haven't done comedy. From like working on building sites, from being in the navy, <laughs> like with that close group of people, and it's like especially with the military and maybe more with the navy because the first ship I was on, the, the mess where we slept, there were forty-five lads living in it, and we had a mess square for a recreational area that was probably the size of the average disabled toilet. Like it, it, it wasn't a great deal of room, and you end up getting like becoming very, very close and like. It's weird. You you don't really make friends unless you are completely honest. Like again, nobody wants to celebrate your victories. They want to commiserate with your failures and laugh at you about them. And that's what gets you through it. Like nobody cares if you go ashore and pull a really good looking woman, but they will sit down and listen for hours about how you trapped her. <laughs> 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 you know, like how you you went moose hunting with your mate, which isn't nice. And like okay. I did a lot of things when I was in the Navy that I'm not proud of. And there's a lot of things that could definitely be misogynistic. But when you're in that group, that's funny, especially when you don't mean it. Like, there's no, like any kind of like hatred is funny if you don't mean it. Like, even when it comes down to like football, like I, I work up in Scotland a lot, up in Glasgow. And, the, you know, the Celtic Rangers thing's a bit like it's a really tough rivalry. And there's been a history of violence and stuff like that. And one of the lads that I work with up there is a Celtic fan. And he says, football's got nothing to do with religion or uh, politics, but it's fun to pretend that there is. Because he's the first person to start singing those Catholic (laughs) songs and all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't mean a word. And, you know, you can see why he can get upset. But it's fun to have a go at people for something that's not their fault, (laughs) especially when you don't mean it. Like, there's nothing funnier than... Like I keep telling Ben that he doesn't really have anything medically wrong with him. He's just from the Isle of Wight and therefore inbred and has a club foot. It's like, <laughs> like seriously, if you want to, like if you look at him in like profile, he looks like he should be working at the shop 
for local people in Royston Vaisley. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought everybody was well, white, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's why the inbred joke's fun. <laughs> Next. And how long? What what rank did you get? Uh, I, like I, I was a killer when I left. I was in for six years, so did a fair whack. Like wow. the height, like what's it? I got into the fleet when the Arab Spring kicked off, so we were very very busy for quite a long time. Yeah, there's uh my friends in the navy, and it's always been one of my biggest regrets was never joining the forces, which I, I would have. Absolutely, I got accepted for the RAF oh. when I was like 20, 21. And I know, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, if, if I had my, my time again, I'd, I'd have definitely joined the RAF. <laughs> yeah, the RAF's like a... It seems like a much more superior way to have uh, served the country. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, believe it or not, I was like really sought after because I was very intelligent and obviously well, yeah, yeah. good looking. They were like, that's the face of the RAF. <laughs> but... um. He joined the Navy like a year or so yeah. before. And obviously, this is like 20 years ago nearly now. So he's nearly yeah. done his time. And he's like he's like a lieutenant. And he's, you know, done really well for himself. Like you can get a lot out of it, And man. he can... Like, it, it can take you a long yeah, way. He can retire in like four years or whatever he is. Oh, four yeah. Five years. I think that is horrible. I sit here now knowing... Oh, um, like, I got medically... <laughs> and my best friend's oh, yeah. I got medically discharged because uh, I've lost 40% of the hearing in my right ear. Like, it couldn't, like it, it, it's, wow. it's, there, there was like a con, it, it, like contribution of like loads of different things. But, um, like, I think I'd probably still be in now, even though, like, like, I, I, where, where I work, I, I work quite closely with the Navy now. And, like, it seems to be a lot worse in a lot of ways, but better in ways that should matter, but don't, if that makes any sense. But, like, the accommodation is way better than it was back in my day. But, um, it just seems like everybody's really down in the dumps and not having a good time now. But I don't know, maybe. Well, hopefully not, obviously, but something. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully something will come along. Well, yeah, let's, let's hope not. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you found not gigging? Oh, it's right? been torture. Like, I've, you know, like I normally had like three, on, on like a good week, three gigs a week, and like that was what I did. Like that was how I spent my evenings. And now I'm scratching around the house without much to do. And luckily, there was a podcast on Sunday that I, <laughs> I could get involved in. <laughs> um, That's why we're here. We're here oh yeah, you boys service. are doing the Lord's work. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's 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 been weird, hasn't it? Like I, I was saying to a, a mate of mine at work, I haven't laughed so hard it's hurt. For like two months, and that was something I did on a regular yeah. basis when I, was, uh, when I was gigging a lot, which was you know, that's also a nice thing because laughter is really good for you, yeah. it makes you feel better. And you know, well, we've all mentioned like on every podcast so far, almost every person that's been on the podcast has mentioned that having Grant Allen yeah. in the audience <laughs> when is one of the best things you can have because your laugh is so like loud and it's proper and it just carries and it just makes you feel well i've got like quite a big you can hear it in the background you start playing i've got quite a it. big trunk so um i'll project quite well and i can't really help it when i laugh <laughs> like if it's funny it's gonna it's gonna make me belly laugh and it, like, my favorite thing was when I've, um that gig uh up at the loft i think it was one of the last ones at the loft um we got put on 
and my parents came to watch me do stand-up and I told them right off I wasn't doing anything I've really prepared I was just doing um that story about the being accused of a hate crime on stage and um yeah and you I think you went on after me and the was it posting the dildo through the letterbox made my mum like watching yeah. my mum cackle like oh <laughs> like, <laughs> that was the funniest bit and my dad looking at her was even better like it's just <laughs> like that sort of thing made me laugh really hard and again I mean the joke's funny as well so it's like... <laughs> oh man have you haven't temp- been tempted to go online or do um, I watched shows, one zoom um, stand up thing and it I see you don't want to shit on anybody and you don't want to make anybody feel bad for making an attempt but it, it felt really forced and it didn't it, like it, it's a weird unnatural way to do it um i think anyway like I, I, I was tempted to begin with and then after i watched a couple of friends of mine i'm not going to throw anybody under the bus do um do like a zoom live show and not be able to tell them, like, dude, don't ever tell that joke again. I know it seemed to have gone down well. Like, <laughs> it, it seemed to have gone down well on the Zoom, but uh, <laughs> um, that's the thing. How can you tell it goes? Well, down I, I don't think you can, but because everybody's sort of smiling politely, I think you must assume it is going well without any other. That that's something I really do love about stand-up. You know instantly whether or not you're doing it well. And, and like there's there's no there's no better feeling than stepping on stage like like picking up that microphone off the sand, going into it, and it working really well. Just like there's no worse feeling than grabbing the microphone and starting and nothing hitting for five minutes at the beginning. <laughs> like <Yeah>. there's <laughs> there's nothing worse. And like like I think we like. Craig's definitely had the uphill struggles where a comedian's gone on before you and just sucked the air out of the room. Like they've they've either had a bad night or it's like very early in them doing stand up and something that worked really well, which is like it's the devil's trick is what it is. Because when you do a bit for the first time and it lands well, you'll do it again and it won't work for two months while you you try and work on it. But because it worked well the first time you got, you start thinking like, Oh, there's got to be something there. I, I, I'm going to have to keep plowing on with it when realistically it might actually be better for your mental health just to throw that away after the third attempt of it not working. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like that's something that's very hard with material because especially when you write stuff that you, you yourself think is funny rather than something that you think other people will find funny. If you think so, like something other people will find funny, it's very easy to throw that material away. But then when you, because you've invested in yourself and you think it's funny, and I keep saying this, comedians are all narcissists. We think we're the funniest people on the planet. <laughs> so of course this bit must work. But yeah, like you have to become very um, vicious and, and like ruthless with how you sort of cloud, like get, like go through material and work out what works and what doesn't. It's um. How often? How often do you change up your material? So, say if you've got like so, you do something that works. When I try to work in chunks of ten. Um, so I've I've got at the minute four tens that work, and you can sort of loop them together, which I've done when I occasionally get a bit more time and I can do twenty minutes or fifteen minutes and stuff like that, um, which is happening more, which I'm quite happy with, or it was happening more. 
they uh, they were doing longer times and uh, like going on doing twenty minutes at uh, the railway in and all that kind of stuff. Which is nice. Uh, it's it felt like I was getting a bit more progression, but whatever. So like I, I tend to work in chunks of ten. Um, so I'll write a ten minute bit, or no, sorry, I'll I'll try and write a ten minute set, get all of that to work, or throw individual like chunks and bits out. And so, like, I'll try and do 10-minute chunks each time. And sometimes the 10 minutes don't take very long to, like, the um, the bit that opens with talking about quitting drinking, like that that 10-minute that ten chunk, that came together really, really quickly. I, I just happened to be on a bit of a roll. It was about um, maybe three weeks doing three gigs a week, and that 10 came quite quickly together. The 10 talking about the being accused of a hate crime took a lot longer. Like getting that story because that like there's a like that story could I could tell that story for 20 minutes um, with with what happened in that actual sort of four months of my life when we were sort of still running the uh, uh, talking heads gig. Um, but yeah, like paring it down to the bits. That, okay, so this is why you need like okay. Do people need to know that that happened? No, they don't need to know what that happened. Um, but the temptate, like it's, it's like when you tell a story down the pub, kind of a thing. You want to do that on stage, but it doesn't work the same way. If that makes any sense. It's way easier to keep a table full of people's attention wrapped compared to a, you know, fifty if you're lucky at the um, at the uh, the loft, maybe twenty people that are actually interested at the dolphin and that kind. Of, it's it's much harder to <laughs> to, to keep those people interested in, in, in a story unless some unless you're getting uh like a laugh or an attempt at a laugh beat sort of every i don't know however long it takes um i know there's like a theory you should have x amount of laughs over a 10 minute period but like do you want to go for quality of laughs or the sorry quantity of laughs or like those big belly laughs that give you a bit of time to catch your breath and you like remember where you're at in your set and i like the big belly laughs that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the same. I like the build up to a belly laugh. Especially when like there's nothing like when it comes out of somewhere they weren't expecting. That's that that's some of my favourite mm. like laughing at something I'd never thought about before. That, that that's always the fun stuff. So any <laughs> are any of you writing material about the uh, BLM protests or because that's the brave one now. No, that's, not right that's now. the brave person now. That's the person that goes on YouTube and does a fifteen-minute just diatribe about jokes about it. Like I, I, I thought, but that's like, I thing. thought about something that I thought was quite funny. Um, <laughs> I went and saw Jim Ringe today, which might be the reason why this is a bit. I'm, I'm all over the place. Um, but, but, <laughs> um, but I, I thought of something on the way back, which is my only criticism of the protests is there isn't a song yet like when the Penn State shootings happened uh, Neil Young wrote Ohio and released it four days later it's been six days now we haven't had anything where's Killer Mike when you need (laughs) 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 that's which I thought was pretty funny and um, that might turn into a bit of a bigger chunk but that was It'll be the most if it if it was going to be a song, it would be maybe the most offensive person <laughs> to release that. It's the wrong person. What, to Killer release Mike? It. Like I can't. Killer Mike would be on there. No, no, just 
No, I just think <laughs> anyone, Brooks. anyone that was going to, it'd be someone like Madonna. <laughs> it'd be Madonna or something like that. <laughs> Miley Cyrus, the whitest girl in music. <laughs> yeah, Miley. Cheryl Cole, be like a lady that smashed the black lady in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but yeah, you have you have got to be brave if you're going to do anything like that. And I even think if someone did do stuff about it, it would be funny. I've got to be so careful. The, the room wouldn't like, laugh. You say that, but then yeah. like, there's a lot of places that <clears throat> where like I really like Brighton, um, like the the people that come to comedy shows in Brighton, uh, because you'd expect them to be quite uptight and not up for laughing at certain subjects. But they they really are. They are like, much more open than you'd expect. Like I did a um, part of a, a ten chunk now about the. You know, the protests they were doing up in Birmingham about teaching kid, you know, primary school kids, like limited sex education. Like, so this is what we call a heterosexual. This is what we call a homosexual and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't actually go into like the, apart from in year six where they do you know, very clinical. This is what an erect penis looks like. And the entire class laughs. Uh, and, like, <laughs> and, you know, and every, yeah, this is the vagina and everybody goes, ooh. Because, you know. But um, it was a joke about that, and it was basically the punchline was gay people. You need to start blowing up a couple of schools if you want to be taken seriously. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I'm just saying like, that was the reason. Anyway, but um, like, there's no logical <laughs> argument you can make other than the Invisible Man in the Sky says it's bad, and that's like, as that's there's no logical argument against. Anyway, and um. And yeah, I did that the first time in Brighton at the uh, Junkyard Dogs. Uh, like, have you ever seen uh, Kayo? The guy that runs that does it in drag. No. Like the stand-up no. in drag. He right. like he like he's out of his mind. He has hand puppets and all sorts. It's amazing. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I I ran it past him first. He's like, oh yeah, these guys will eat that up. And I'm like, really? Awesome. <laughs> like, there's nothing better than being scared <laughs> about a bit and then doing it. And it going well, like that—that—that's a really good feeling as well. <laughs> when you do something that makes you think people are going to wince, but they burst out laughing. Baku does that a lot with his jokes. Because it as does well. seem anyway. Sorry. Yeah, but you say like Brighton. You would you? I mean, like you say, it's a good crowd. Would you say that's the best sort of crowd to um, in front of? Probably Definitely. not Brighton. I really like every time I've done a gig at the Loft um, for Stone Comedy. It's always been good there. I really like. It, and it depends on crowds for what. Like, I really like the Dolphin and new material because it really sorts it out. Like, a lot of those people are not like they're uh, they're either friends of comedians that are doing maybe you know their first sort of shows, or they're comedians, or they're the girlfriends of comedians, wives of comedians, and stuff like that. And there might be a smattering of people that have just sort of wandered in and seen comedy and thought, yeah, we'll give that a pun. And it's a, and so they're either not interested or they're so jaded with their comedy. You have to really have something good to like hold on <laughs> to their attention. And I like, I really like that because it's brutal. Um, have you done anything funny? I have, yeah, yeah. They're, they, that's, they, they had a bit of trouble the other month, didn't they? Where, um, like somebody was trying to start a fight at a comedy show or something. Yeah, that was uh, it. Was before my time, so it must have been before uh, October 2019. But I do remember the story of yeah, some 
some woman in the audience kicking off about something, getting very upset yeah. about something. But the audience on her, I'm like, <coughs> you know, being unreasonable, fuck off out of it. But um, yeah, that. But other than that, it's normally quite a placid crowd, and I think that is a very good one to get started on. Gav did his first one there, and I did my first one in front of him, and obviously I write with the guys down there, and it's always been a good first yeah it's it's, it's definitely a good place to like ease your way into it isn't it rather than getting thrown to the wolves somewhere um but at the same time i I quite like it when people who make like there's been like quite a few people from london that i've watched who who have come in and been like yeah i've done about 30 gigs it's been going really well and i think this set will work down here and all that kind of stuff and like and them talking to the other comedians who are going like yeah uh this is a bit of a different crowd. And then they're, they're oh no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And then just like nothing. And you know, and you just like that. I think sometimes having a kind audience that, you know, will let you not even necessarily the sympathy chuckle, but like the, the, the titters and stuff like that, which are nice. Like every, any laugh's a good laugh. Like, like we like them, but when you go somewhere, like Portsmouth is a weird town. Like you can go, across the street somewhere and do another, like have a terrible gig and then go somewhere else and have an amazing one. And it's basically the same people. They just like are in a different pub. Um, but yeah, like what, like I, it's, I think being thrown to the wolves every now and again is quite good. Like not really like having no idea how this audience, like um, Brad Ball did a couple of, uh, he ran a couple of gigs in Andover and uh, I, I did about three of them over that six month period. But there were a couple of times when the rugby club turned up, and oh, Christ, was it like it was hard work those evenings? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. See, I'd look forward to um, like a rugby it's, crowd or a football crowd because I think my stuff would work well. Yeah, it, it's it's fun, uh, and the boisterousness can like it can be it can g you up and stuff like that. But again, when you like. Yeah, maybe someone struggles before you, struggles afterwards, and you know you feel that. Yeah. Especially when you don't know them, you, you can't quite feel the glee you normally feel when somebody you know's failing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have you done much in the way of MC? I haven't. No. Um, I don't really think it. Like, I, I don't really think. I don't know if I'd be any good at it. Um, I don't know if I, I, I could. If I, uh, MC is a weird art, isn't it? It's. It's yeah. it's something that when it's done well, like Glenn West is an amazing, amazing MC. Um, he's one of my favourite people to have uh, introduce you, just like because he's mega energy, which is always fun, and he's also really really sharp when he's like because he he was a like a rep basically, wasn't he? He was like a, a red coat, but for Bogman campsite for years and years. Oh, okay. Um, so so he's done a lot of it. But when it like when like when you see him before the gig starts and he's like, yeah, it's gonna be one of those nights, and he just goes off calling, like, <laughs> and you have to go on after him after he's given the crowd a like complete embolism. It's it's really fun, and I don't I don't think I've got that kind of a burst onto the stage energy. Get you know get an audience up and ready for it, kind of a thing. I don't think that's my like mo if that makes any sense like i i, I start off pretty slow normally <laughs> it, yeah. 
But that's the thing. It's like you mentioned people like Glenn. I mean, he's. I mean, when I've met him, yeah. he's dropped me little tidbits here and there. Is there anyone that, that's uh, done that done for it. you? Or uh, just, Ben's done like, it. Like pretty much like everybody all together. If like somebody thinks of something during your set as you're doing a joke, especially new material and stuff like that, there's always usually like the little powwow during the during the break or go outside, have a cigarette and talk about like how maybe a joke could be funnier and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it's pretty much universal in Portsmouth. Everybody will drop you a note if they think of something and you tend to reciprocate and all that kind of stuff. And I like that. That's, that, that's, that's there to create creativity, isn't it? Like, you know, if, if everybody's yeah. sort of bubbling all together, two minds are better than one and Ten minds are better than two, and that, and that's kind of what everyone. That's been the theme, I think, when I've asked that sort of question to everyone. Everyone said the same thing, and obviously, that's how your name crops up. I think quite a bit, where everyone sort of mentions you and the sort of the comments you give about their their sets and stuff. So it's, I think, you know, for me starting out, I mean, I'm brand yeah, I don't think I've seen you. Um, it's good to sort. Of I, th- I think I've met you. I think I did. Didn't you come to a? Um... Yeah, I went with up to the loft, maybe oh, to the dolphin. To yeah, the dolphin. no, Grant, Grant. Yeah, it was bit. It was. Bit... Obviously, you don't have to divulge any information that you don't want to. Yeah, go on, absolutely. The when, so when Gav, uh, so I'd been doing it for a couple of months, and um, my ex was friends with Gavin's missus, and she was just like sharing the videos yeah. around, and Gav expressed an interest in getting into it, and I was like, listen, mate, um, yeah, great. Why don't you come and watch a gig with me? Uh, we'll go down to the Dolphins, and it's always a good night. I know the MC now, Perry, and you know I think I may have done a set, Gav. I can't remember, or we just went. Oh. Yeah, I think you had done before. Down and, there. Um, yeah. And so Gav's like, "Yeah, right, brilliant." I was like, "Everyone's really nice. You're getting well with everyone." So we walked in. This is the first like open mic night. Gav's introduction to the, the sort of local comedy world, and we walk in. I was like, "Oh, Perry's really good. He's really energetic. He's a good laugh." We walked in, and Perry was like. Head down. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I was like, "Oh, Perry, this is this is Gav. He's getting into it, and he, you know, he's probably going to come and try and get on a night down here." And Perry's like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, no worries, that's fine." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, uh, if right, Perry is like, you know, just obviously going through his personal shit, yeah, whatever, like broken up." Oh mate, I'm sorry. He's like literally happened yesterday. I was like, oh, fucking hell. Sorry, mate. Don't worry about it. I, you know, I leave you alone. Get me. And then I was sat with him. Anyway, he... having the same commiseration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was supposed to do a ten minute set, and you, me, and you had met on the Friday. We'd done Matthew's yeah. gig at the uh, meet. And I was like, hey, hey, hey Brad, you're right. And you're like, hello, mate. You're okay. And I was like, oh, yeah. he's a little bit down as well. And then you were taking the piss yeah. out of Perry, and you're going, I know exactly what you're going through, Perry. I know it's happening with me, mate, and this is the worst place to be. Full of comedians taking a piss <laughs> out of you. And I was like, "This is this is really weird, Gab." Like the whole like mood was really down. And then, like, I did my ten minutes, and then Perry got Perry disappeared. Yeah, Perry. And then was... You got up. <laughs> yep, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh well, and then you got up, and and you were you like obviously going through your own shit at the time. Do you remember? I remember exactly what I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time I meant every, I meant every word. <laughs> it was 
Yeah, it was just a bit of an eye opener for me, to be honest. I thought, is, is this is this what I want? Well, to get? Is this like, the life I want? it's weird. I like, I do find like, it's definitely cathartic being on stage and trying to, even though something tragic's happening, trying to find that little spark that, like, okay, this might be funny in about three months. <laughs> like, um, I had to do it with the drinking stuff because, um, like, obviously, when you do something like that, and like, I went through the DTs and wasn't having a great time but there, there was stuff from like talking to doctors that i knew was going to be funny i just couldn't like i could have gone on stage and you know picked the scab and tried to see if it would have worked but you know i did it a couple of times and it was still a bit too raw for me i, I wasn't in like it, i wasn't enjoying telling the stories but then as soon as a little bit more time had passed and i was more I, i'd sort of realized this you know it was going to stick i wasn't going to start drinking again um because i had had a wobble but you know once i realized like okay i've got this now like i'm you know still one day at a time and all that kind of stuff but i've got this now i can stop i can start talking about it because now it's just normal that i don't drink um and these are the reasons why i don't drink and but, uh, i find being honest and like having that open once you've sort of got your head around it yourself that makes a massive difference to a joke yeah because I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't drink for reasons that you know I've, I've sort of dropped the ball in life a few times, and it's sort of I kind of didn't kind drop of the, the ball. I, I was uh, like a proper but... functioning alcoholic. I, like, you know, I'd be like smashed most evenings, but I never missed a day of work. I never missed anything important because I was drunk. It was just kind of I was constantly drunk, so it wasn't a great, um, was it wasn't a great way to live. But it's horrible, isn't it? Like when you get rid yeah, of it, I and mean... now all of a sudden you have nothing to do. <laughs> well yeah you have to find new things to do which um, like wow what would i normally be doing at seven o'clock in the morning on a sunday <laughs> what do regular people do like, not waking up feeling rough trying to find bacon like that's when it gets bad isn't it when you just assume everybody feels rough in the morning it's just it's just Oh, everybody must feel like this. I think cause... it's bad that you've named your child. Well, Jason. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, where, so you, we talked about um, sort of various venues. Where's where um, would you say is home like turf for you? Like that, that's what, that's my favourite place to perform in Portsmouth by far. I've done probably I haven't done the Emporium yet, but I think that's more to do with like, I've, I've not been around rather than not. I th- yeah, Mike did ask if I wanted to do it like, before the shutdown, uh, but yeah, it, like I, I've just not been around right. a lot. Like I travel a lot for work, so but hopefully, like, maybe we'll get some traction out of this. The the Emporium is a it's a lovely venue. It just needed the crowd there when I did it. It was quite a new yeah night. Well, like, wait, what what day do we do it? Is it? Like... I think it was Tuesday, the Emporium, or Thursday. Tuesdays are weird, or like a Tuesday night. Like they, they can be amazing, but they're also usually quite subdued. Like Sundays at the Dolphin yeah. shouldn't be as messy as what they usually are. <laughs> there's, yeah. like, there's been so many times where done the, the, you do the Dolphin, or when Dan was doing a load of gigs in the pubs, and like it'd be like a Tuesday, and there'd be people hammered. Yeah, and you just oh wait no I used to be one of these people these are my... like they they don't want to listen to me talking about quitting drinking we're gonna to have to tell some drinking stories I think like that's the 
Do you live in Portsmouth, Grant? Yeah, um, I live in, well, I live like six, well, I'm not going to tell you where I live. I live near Fratton Park. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Grant, is there a, like, because obviously you've been around for a, a couple of years now, and it, we all kind of know some of the, like, local amateur comedians. Do you have a favourite when they they come on stage or you know you're on the night with them, you're like, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he There's about says. three or four. Um, like I, I really like Ben, obviously. Um, Baku's another one that I like um, chatting to about. Like Baku has had some of his best jokes out of conversations we've had in the car on the way there. Um, <laughs> like, it, 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 they, and I've had some great jokes from Baku, like just talking to him and like just talking nonsense and stuff like that, and uh, like, that's really good because I, I, I quite like being you know, like, hey, where's he going? I know he said he's going to do this, but where's he going to go with it? Um, I really like Nathan Eagle as well. Uh, Nathan Eagle's always a, a cracker. I, like he, he's very much my, he's very much up my street with his sense of humour. Like his joke about like I'm not, I'm not going to do his uh, material, but like he, he's had some jokes that have made me howl with laughter. Like jokes that I've laughed for about yeah. two days afterwards as well. When he's like, when you, when you, you, that that's the mark of a good joke when you remember it and it still makes you go. <laughs> that's yeah. And obviously you, Craig. So yeah. talked about your... <laughs> Thanks, mate. What yeah. fishing. <laughs> fishing. I tried to let it go when you didn't mention it. Well, no, like, there's no... Like, the comedians that I'm friends with, I'm always excited to see them, if that makes any sense. Like, like everybody that are, like, talking, like, you know, sometimes we do the table together and hold court and all that kind of stuff. And everybody that comes to the table, I'm always excited to see live because it like if i enjoy a conversation with you i'm probably going to enjoy what you say on stage um yeah. I, I think that's and, and it's always fun to see people you know on stage and see what they're doing and see how they're progressing and all that kind of stuff like um emma uh king her uh like yes. her edinburgh stuff like watching that evolve and it's really unfortunate that she's not doing edinburgh um because she was going to like, she was beginning, like, it was, you could see like the progression of the show that she was going to do. And it seemed like it was yeah. going to be a really fun show. And I, I really would have liked to have um, watched maybe a preview or something, <laughs> something along those lines. Um, even though I was on about doing Edinburgh this year myself. But um, that's by the by now, that got cancelled. Um, but yeah, like, like I say. Any comedian I've seen before and I'm friends with, I'm going to be excited to see them again. So one of the things that we've mentioned and obviously you've heard like, uh, from the other podcast is where Gav and I ran the Lampoon Night at the Mayflower uh, Village Pub, the pub Mayflower Theatre. We are basically going to throw a party in the Hold on, that, yeah, quite a bit I'm not getting any feedback on my end. It must be coming from me. Is that better? <laughs> yeah, that's better. Much better. Um, so yeah, essentially, we're going to host a party and throw a party for like all of the comedians that we yeah. know and their sort of friends or whatever that they want to bring. But um, and that will just be as soon after lockdown is done as possible, yeah. so that everybody can just be sat in a room full of comedians. Like, <laughs> yeah, if we can possibly get like 40, 50, 60 comedians and just get up there'll be the mic open we'll start at like five o'clock and we'll do like a saturday all the way through do like a stand up on the spot kind of a thing where yeah just say to people go up do your bit 
and then we'll have a few drinks, we'll do some food and stuff like that, but we'll have like a proper party and people can like reel out all of their angst and frustration from this sort of lockdown where they've been like... Yeah, uh, that's what we're all going to need because like we can't pretend the first few shows aren't going to be terrible because uh, <laughs> like, all, we, all we've been doing is really sort of... It's, it's, as much as like you doing this and I'm talking to um, Jim, Ben, Dan... He's someone that, that hasn't had a shout out that deserves one. Uh, is Dan, uh, both Churchley and uh, Posh Dan. But that's that's, that's going to which Posh um, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it, it, like his surname has completely escaped me. I've never used it myself. Yeah, Dan Stevens. There we go. Stevens. I, um, he's a, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's far too Dan. posh to be claimed from, to be from gospel. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust a man that sounds like that and claims to be from that town. <laughs> he doesn't really sound like but, that. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, and as much as we have been talking to each other, I assume you guys have been talking and bouncing ideas off each other. We're still very, yeah, like, obviously we're isolated and all you're doing is bouncing the same ideas in your head and trying to progress with it. Like, I've, I've always found, like, some ideas you don't actually work out where it is funny until you do it on stage and just go with the flow. And sometimes it's the first thing that comes off your head. Sometimes it's, you know, on the drive home from the gig, oh, fuck, I wish I'd have said this. And then, then you know, that's, <laughs> but that's how it all sort of progresses. And this is why, like, I record my sets and try to listen to them as soon as I can while everything's still fresh in my mind. And with a lot of new material and stuff like that, driving back, oh, you knobhead, why didn't you say this? You were going to say that. You had it written down and everything, and you didn't. <laughs> but that's always, like, that's, that's got to be something you guys have all uh, experienced. Where you, you know, I don't know how you write material. I tend to come up with an idea, do it like, like do it on stage, and then go back and try and write it out long form and work out where I want to be. And there's been times where I've written stuff down, and I've written, you know, three, four times, gone through the joke and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, right, I know where I'm at. And then you get halfway through your bit, and you completely space the um, <laughs> what must have been the most important part of the joke because then afterwards it doesn't land. And you like, not only do you feel like a failure, yeah. you feel like a <laughs> you feel like it's never going to get better, and you have to quit because you, <laughs> you rehearsed as much as you possibly could. Um, but yeah, um, I think having a big meetup right at the end, yeah, right, right when this finishes, definitely like it. I think it's the way to go because we've probably all forgotten what we all look like, really. Yeah, I think it would be a good little networking thing as well because people, I think, are going to be trying to put on more shows, trying to get out and do more gigs because things cooped up. Well, I just sort of hope like... that we don't know how long it's going to go go on for. Like They're making up the rules as they go along. It's all changing every sort of week, sort of day to day. Like, they, you know, no, you're not gonna have to wear a mask, and now it's looking like everybody's gonna have to start wearing masks and all that kind of stuff. And until like, we, we might not be doing this until 2021, you know what I mean? Which is pessimistic, but getting a lot more feedback off your head. Sorry, the cat's back. jumping all over. Um, <laughs> uh, is that better? <laughs> no. no, how about that? No. Yeah, no. It just uh, sounds like you've got yeah. an electric shaver. No. <laughs> a little bit better, yeah. Okay, we'll go with that then. 
Oh, that's all right. I like that. Oh, that's perfect. <coughs> yeah. Um, no, I um, yeah. suffocated your cat. Yeah. cat with a headset. It's a fucking thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the other things that we spoke about, because obviously it's during lockdown and everybody's been like sexually repressed and stuff or like fucking hating their partners. There's been a lot of chat about yeah. porn and there's been a lot of chat about people's specifics, like the things that they um, look up. I'm going to have to probably plead the fifth because my ex-wife is still currently living in the same house as me. So, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things will be said once this is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, not only have I done lockdown sober, I've See, also done it in not the greatest of situations. <laughs> yeah. My situation was that I'd gone up with my part, like ex-partner two weeks before full lockdown and had to like sofa surf. And the more I was sofa surfing, the more people were like, I really want to yeah. get you out of my house because I don't really want to during lockdown. That was quite... But I think I would swap that first tense few weeks of my sort of lockdown experience. I would still do that rather than still having to live with the ex oh. during this time. Um, that must be tough. Yeah. Again, I'm going to plead the fifth because she might be able to hear me. <laughs> nah, not... um, yeah, you don't need that. To be either. honest with you, it's really not been that bad. We've been civil, at least, which is not that funny. But don't worry, we'll work something out. <laughs> <laughs> right, that is... Oh, that kind of ruins your your whole bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is. He gets so he gets so excited <laughs> for this bit of the podcast. And I mean, then when, now you've done like the porn stuff. Like, he's, like, now he's I'm, like I said, I'm pretty link. vanilla, so like I, I'm I'm not really into it. I'm not into yeah, anything mega story, weird. Like. It's um like I don't like it doesn't like I don't understand how somebody can like I I understand how peeing into somebody's mouth might be something you want to do, but having Somebody pee in your mouth. I can't imagine this is a particularly. <laughs> I can't believe. I can't believe you. I'm not into anything weird. No, like, like, like you can. Like, yeah, you no, 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 no. Because you can understand something without enjoying it. Like I don't particularly enjoy watching football, but I can understand why people do. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's when people say you can't possibly understand what I've been what through. Saying? Yes, I can. I have. A, the ability to, to like to feel empathy and an imagination. Shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said, I'm not really into anything weird. Like I'll watch weird stuff, but it doesn't really, it doesn't do anything for me. Like like ex-military, I've seen some very very strange things, mostly with animals, which not good. But yeah, like again, I can, I can understand. <laughs> But when you're stuck on a ship, you got to watch. Well, what watch. Thing, like we had, like we had guys. Like the the phrase was snaggy, which was they were the guys who had like like uh, being snaggy is being a bit of a sexual deviant. But they had like terabyte hard drives full of different pornography, and like with you know with the advent <laughs> that laugh, and like with the what advent of laugh? you know like. Um, <laughs> Like, uh, not but is it emulators that you know when you could plug a hard drive, like you know, an external hard drive into another bit of kit and that plugged into the TV 
and you could play pretty much anything. Yeah. And like I've walked into mess squares and stuff like that. I've never been videos. One of them, I believe, was called Tear Me a New One. Where <laughs> like, there's some great. Um, there was a lot of Max Hardcore on that, which made me uncomfortable most of the time. Like you know, in your head, like Max yeah, Hard- like like Max Hardcore is the weird guy with the really small feet and the cowboy hat. Really yeah, that's speak. what you notice. Uh, like, and and the, well, the, like he does things like where he puts like speculums into the lady performers' assholes and pees in them, and then puts a tube in the the open <laughs> butthole, and then makes the girl drink out, which is it's bizarre. <laughs> that just seems like survival. That's something I reckon Bear Grylls is into. <laughs> But like, 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 he must have like, like, he talked to that girl into doing it, and like, like, he's not. They weren't getting paid much, I don't think. (laughs) 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 Way Grant's looked into the like, like, how do you pitch that to somebody? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's got. I don't think you do. I just think you go, listen, you're going to get paid and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do and you just do as you're told. Is how I assume it goes. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like a trip to Amsterdam. but <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'm going to have to come off this and look at what... It's, you know, like when... Um, it's, it's like a piece of surgical equipment that, like, holds a gape. Oh, Okay. Look what they use in um in Stanley Kubrick's Clockwork Orange to keep his eyes open. But yeah, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, it's as good a description as any. Oh, see, yeah. no, and that's definitely how I describe yeah, yeah. you now, Craig. Snake. Oh, like, I think I think we I was probably one you. of the first people. Do you remember that video of the dude letting the horse fuck him, and then like the horse is like rears back and just in, like kills it? I think I was I was probably I like, I can't believe that that, that, not, I've that not uh, Craig hasn't. <laughs> but no, I have. Yeah, I just. I was trying to remember which bit oh, I came at. I think, it but was like, I might have been one of the but first yeah. people to watch that. But like, it, because like, I joined the navy in the era that like the ISIS beheading videos were still like uncensored, and uh, like, like yeah. the internet was still a bit of the wild west where you could pretty much watch anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, there were a lot of very, very disturbed individuals that I happened to work with at the time. So, like, oh, watch this! Look. <laughs> and you can't yeah. look away because it's in the days when you could watch weird shit on YouTube before YouTube became so. Well, yeah, but the, and then everybody moved on to Live Leak, didn't they? Because Live Leak is still like the uncensored winners of it all. Yeah, and now it's just WhatsApp. You just get sent oh yeah, like I, I, I've had to like mute quite a few WhatsApp groups because like I'm I'm pretty sure if I look at it, I'm probably going to get arrested. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing I I had to come off of that because I made a very fatal error where I had my oh. on my phone oh. my photos yeah, linked to my WhatsApp, so they automatically save 
But <laughs> I also had my account linked oh. to my daughter's iPad. So I literally, I was just on there one day just thinking, oh, I wonder what she's taking pictures of. And then, like, some no. real evil was on there. And I was just like, <laughs> no, that's disconnected completely. That was a close call. It's <laughs> good. I'd have laughed if there were some weird photos on there that you oh. haven't saved that just been sent to her from. It's got to be mates. terrifying raising daughters nowadays, right? Like, <laughs> it, it, like I'm, I'm sure it wasn't great back when we were kids, but now it's definitely worse, surely, right? They're so more exposed to stuff that we wouldn't have even thought of until we were like. 13, like, 14. It wasn't possible to have like a naked picture you know, of a like, girlfriend when I was... The other day, I was... 16. Because Boots wouldn't... They, like, like, they, no. they wouldn't develop the yeah, film. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, they basically stopped making them. Yeah, and Polaroids like, you were expensive. Polaroid, yeah. What, 15 years ago? Like, they, you know, they became a retro thing that sort of got bought back out when we were old enough to be able to afford them. camera phones were a thing... When I was about maybe 23, 24 camera phones, basic, really bad. Camera. Yeah, like really badly Which pixelated. Is... Yeah, like um, like if you had like I think yeah. when it the Motorola was like one of the first one, like the flip phone. That was like that was like the one of the first phone, ones yeah. to get a camera. <laughs> You'd like take a picture and it'd be awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you take a picture <laughs> yeah. of your mum. Like, and like you couldn't do anything out. with them because you couldn't like you could maybe like you can Bluetooth it to somebody. And you definitely couldn't like text message it to somebody because it would cost you. It'd be like a mortgage payment yeah, on your yeah, house. That was it. It was like, yeah, it was like a pound a text message or a pound fifty <laughs> for a picture. It was yeah. ridiculous. God, we're old. <laughs> we are. Fuck it. How old are you? Uh, I'm thirty-two. Yeah. Well, fuck off. I'm thirty-two. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm 38 yeah. this year, so... Well, we're, we're, I mean, we're, like, you we're, compare it, like, like a lot of kids. Like, you obviously look at Ben McLaughlin, who was like... I think he was doing comedy... I think, was he 18? I mean, he might have even been younger than that. Yeah, I remember what... Like, yeah. It was, in fact, he's, the first thing 18, I said to him, other yeah. than good set, was, do you know how fucking annoying it is that you're so young? Like, that's <laughs> like, it was like the, the opening conversation. We've been friends ever since. <laughs> But there are, there are quite a few sort of youngsters. There's uh, like a guy called Jarrow out there. I don't know if you've seen well, him. I mean, you've got like Jake Young, who's been like he's been doing it since he was yeah. 18. Like, there's a bunch of comedians that have been doing it since they've been young. Like, which you're all right. <laughs> I, I don't think I was like, I was, what's it? I wasn't really funny until I was about 28, I think. Like, yeah, there's a difference in there. So we've. So my first ever gig, Ben McLaughlin was there. And we always talk about this fella that got on sort of nearer the end of the evening. And he he was just, he was clearly somebody who's funny in his yeah. friendship group. In the, I think I know who you mean. And he was telling stories. <laughs> yeah. And he was telling stories about banging some bird in the ass. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And then yeah. worked for like five minutes. It was fucking odd. And you just think, I can imagine you're quite funny in your group of friends, but I can also imagine in your group of friends, they all go, let's not invite him. I was an apprentice at 16 and I wasn't really allowed to talk for like a year. And 
like unless it was funny and if it wasn't funny i heard no end of it so like it sort of changed it like yeah. in a weird way with the jobs i've, I've had like i work like i had an apprenticeship with Southern electric so it, it's 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 weird i think uh, a lot of people i wouldn't say do themselves a disservice but like they miss out on so much like like some of the funniest things that have ever happened to me have happened at work with the people I work with, like things that are said, things that get done to you or get done to other people and things like that. And like, like, like I said, I'm fairly certain I've worked with six of the best comedians ever. that just haven't ever done stand up comedy. Um, And it's a weird, like, so yeah, basically with the jobs I've done, all I've really ever done is auditioned, like just continually. Um, Whenever (laughs) you, you start, you know, you join a new ship and you, you kind of have to be quiet for two weeks and work out not necessarily the hierarchy, but how the whole group dynamic works. Like who like who are the people you want to talk to when it's, like, when there's something funny happening with the people like all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, uh, and I think that's sort of shaped the kind of comedy I want to do. I think a lot of people that maybe work like a physical job or work like, you know, working class people probably um <laughs> like my stuff a bit more but you know we've been going like with Baku and that he's been getting gigs in some very very posh places and it's great to watch because like Baku like <laughs> I think they expect somebody very different than Baku to turn up to their gig because he's very polite in his emails he <laughs> sends me like he, he like copies me into them and all that kind of stuff and he's very polite in his emails and all that kind of stuff. And then he rocks up and calls everybody a motherfucker on stage. <laughs> Which is always, um, it's always good. But yeah, like when you go to the, like the, the you know, the like Royal Wooden Bassett or like, it's, we went somewhere in the deepest, darkest part of Devon. And, um, and yeah, like you, you, you kind of automatically adjust your sets to like, not maybe mention the stuff that you do in Portsmouth with a group of rowdy drunks compared to people drinking Chardonnay, um, which, which, which maybe <laughs> like, I'm starting to think I shouldn't like, I don't, maybe I should start dropping sea bombs in those gigs and <laughs> doing the set how I normally do it rather than, you know, tidying it up for the upper crust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't, um, I've always said I don't really, because there are opportunities to do like cleaner gigs. Well, like, like Manford's sort of will only take you if you clean, like Manford Comedy Club. Um, yeah. Which, like, I don't think I could ever do a clean set. That no, would be really? funny. Mm. Like, I don't find many clean things funny. If <laughs> no. no. I suppose, but if you, if you go there, you well, see they're trying to market the television that and they stuff can like market that. and make money um, off, aren't they? Which I think is probably an outdated model. Yeah. But, uh, like, it's probably still works he probably has a contract with someone and like like it's it's weird like i mean if cleans what you want like i mean it's your club you do what you like but there isn't very many clean comedians like anyway is there i mean no they'll do but they do like game shows rather than you got michael mcintyre who can clean it up for television but then when you see him live he does swear and he does, you know, talk vulgarity and sex and, and all sorts of things. Well, so like, it, I did, like, it's, it's kind of a weird one where it, I think it depends on what kind of television program you want to be on. Uh, or, you know, if you want to do TV or, you know, maybe that's something in the very far, far edges of your ambition kind of a thing. 
And yeah, that would be nice. But to be honest with you, I'd like petrol money for my next gig. That'd be good. Um, <laughs> it's like, were you there at the meet and sip where I explained what success was for comedians at our level? Which was you get, I don't. Yeah, you, uh, you get into bit, the train station at two o'clock in the morning, and not only is the waiting area open, it's also got a heater. <laughs> that's that's a successful <laughs> evening for us at this point. Um, but. <laughs> You know, I, I I don't think I could ever do anything that squeaky clean just because it doesn't appeal to me. Like I do have clean jokes, but you know, I, I think it's much funnier to talk about tits and bumbles and yeah. <laughs> I could do I could do my sets without any. Yeah, I could, yeah, yeah, I could do it without swearing. But like, yeah, but the material is still dark and filthy and. You know, I could still talk about, you know, getting pegged and stuff like that. I don't have to swear, but it's still talking yeah. about being pegged. And like, so what, what, yeah. Because I, like, I would say, you like, you, like, your jokes are dirty, but they're the jokes yeah. you tell, like, they're, they're, they're the, the dirty jokes that you hear at the back of a church during a christening kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like they're dirty, but they're harmless. If that makes any sense, That's the, they're the jokes you yeah. tell the kids at you know, like at the christening. Like, just don't tell your mum. But this is a this is a joke yeah. you want to tell at school. <laughs> but yeah, like it's, like it's a weird one because, like, I say so with... dark stuff, but it's always from a place of like. <sighs> It's it's a it's a very much a there before the grace of whatever go I, it, it like like it could have been way worse. That's always the um like that's <laughs> that's always the, the sort of the tone I try and go with, and then explain what worse would be is always my <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that way of thinking. Um. That's a good segue into this into this end, Grant. So, where is that kind of where you see yourself? Would you um, see yourself as a more of a club comic? Is that where you want to get to? And you know what, just do I would it, be very happy the, being a you know, working road get to comic. that level. Um, or, you know, if... like the like, it's weird. You discuss these sort of things with people on the way back from gigs that haven't gone very well, and you discuss and you discuss like <laughs> what you want to like how you want to do it. Like, there's like my <laughs> real ambition. If, if I'm honest, is to be a paid regular at the comedy score, store in Los Angeles. Um, like that's like my comedy mecca kind right. of a thing. Like I'd love to like rock up audition on the Sunday and be a regular on the Tuesday. But there's a lot of work before that, before you can even make that attempt. Um, like I, I wanted to do Edinburgh, maybe like if it went well, maybe get some gigs out of that because that seems to be the only real way you can get that traction to get gigs. Because like even though if you look at like the Facebook comedy forum where people are advertising gigs, you know, they want to pay 50 quid and like must have TV credit. Well, who the fuck is going to show up to your gig for 50 quid with TV credit? <laughs> like, at, like, like at the last minute, like they, they, they've got an hour to get to a gig <laughs> like Milton Keynes or something. Like, yeah. You might <laughs> luck out and get, you know, I don't know who lives in Milton Keynes, but just say for argument, Simon Kane, he wants to do a 10 minute, like <laughs> ten, 10 minute new material thing and we'll pocket the 50 quid just thank you but I, it seems to be really difficult to get somebody who has like because i'm in the same sort like the, the same sort of boat as baku 
where I've won gong shows and stuff like that and you were supposed to get a gig out of it and nothing materialises. Um, probably not out of any malice, probably out of people forgetting and me being too polite to be like, oi, dickhead, you said. Um, and uh, like, it, it seems very much, like, there, there does seem to be a bit of a clique when it comes to like the big gigs. But um, yeah, yeah to be, like, I'd be happy just being a, like a, a, a road comic cracking on with it like i don't really have any like uh, you know obviously being able to say like oh yeah i've got a netflix special and a dvd that would be great but i don't think it <laughs> like it, it, it could happen but like that's an aim and you know obviously you, you have to have those ambitions to be able to go for it but like i'm realistic yeah would you like to be able to support you fully yeah that would be the dream obviously but um I don't think it'll happen in the next few years because I don't think anybody's going to have any money for entertainment. I think we're going to be doing free gigs for a while, um, yeah. which is sad. But yeah, you know, maybe it might go the other way. Maybe like you know we'll, we'll have a bit of a depression, but that allows performance spaces to open up on the cheap, and they can you know go back to doing like dinner and a show kind of a thing. Because I think that's something we miss a lot in this country compared to say America. Like America has the the clubs where you can go in, sign up for an open mic. It might take a few weeks to get into it, but you'll perform in a club. It might be for two people, but it's a club, and the club will point you in the direction of like another open mic and then another one, and then eventually they'll take you on. Yeah. And you do three minutes, and you get paid up, you know, maybe five dollars. But if that three minutes goes well, they're chain uh, nightclubs, so you like you'll go from working at say the Indianapolis one doing a tight 10 every Thursday night or whatever to the Chicago one doing a tight 10 and like that gets you out and that gets you going. And that's something, you know, we just don't have in this country, um, which is unfortunate. I think that like, there are, I mean, up North, there's a few more that are maybe getting, getting you in and all that kind of stuff. But I don't live. <laughs> I don't, I don't live there. There's nothing really on the South Coast. It's, the jungle is closed. <laughs> Because that's what I can't. Oh, that's yeah, what very I can't much so. It's quite um, regional, isn't and it? there's the, very the different UK styles comedy in each region as well. Which is, I mean, it, it's, it's bound to happen, isn't it? Um, but it's always it's always fun going up to London and you know seeing the very supportive crowds that then look at you in horror when you start talking about <laughs> whatever you're going to talk about, or them coming down and doing a joke about <laughs> Donald Trump that sometimes you know. Up in London, will get them a thirty-second applause break, but in Portsmouth, people just don't seem to be interested in politics. <laughs> it's like that's the that's the way it seems. Like, like have you noticed <laughs> that with the you know any political material you might have done or seen? Like, there's a lot of Portsmouth audiences that just don't seem to respond to it. We had this um, conversation. Who was it with Craig? Was it? Callum, I think, yeah, and we kind of said, we kind of said, like, it's the, you know, when you when you're doing political stuff, it's kind of like, you, either you can do it well or not. It could be you've got to involve that audience, haven't you? You've got to get them to understand yeah. it. But if they, because it's almost like a subject that they they're not interested in. Well, yeah, how, and I think how do you get them to very, buy into like, it to make them laugh about? Because like, it? I mean, I think Craig might have been like active, you, like you obviously weren't, but there was a period where you go to like a gig anywhere and you'd have three people talking about how Donald Trump was stupid 
or Brexit was, you know, Turkey's voting for Christmas. Like, yeah, we, like, we get it. Yeah. Like, like, try and, like, I, I don't like, like, as soon as I hear somebody else say something, either on stage or just in general, I want to try and, th- I, I, I try to think of the opposite and how that could be funny. Like, I, if I was going to do a joke about Donald Trump, I wouldn't do about how he's stupid. I'd, I'd want to talk about how, like, I root for him because other people want him to fail, just like I rooted for Dick Dastardly chasing the pigeon. Like, like, yeah. like I'm aware Body he's biography. a villain, but I sort of want him to win, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. that, 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 that would be the only thing that I, I, like, I kind of want that. And, and, like, the more people get upset, the more I enjoy every time he wins. <laughs> One of the things that we've spoken about that we're not looking forward to is the amount of fucking lockdown oh, coronavirus. Talking about masturbating in their pyjamas and things like that. It... Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And have you written have you written any jokes like about not it really about the coronavirus. Um like I, I sort of jotted something down about how I'm very upset about people like Alex Jones being censored and stuff like that because I don't want to go through the paywall. I just wanted to watch him go losing his mind on YouTube about it. Um, like, like, like that's what's like. I don't understand why people can like. I mean, I can understand why people can hate on someone so much, but like, he's out of his mind, and it's really entertaining to watch. Don't take that away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, did anybody act on his? Yeah, he said some horrendous shit, but he made me laugh way more than he made me go. Hey, don't say that. <laughs> Everybody's allowed yeah. to. Slip up. It's the same with that Katie Hopkins woman. Like she says some stupid shit, but if people are listening to her and giving her an audience yeah. and a platform, then she's gonna fucking yeah, say it. Yeah, like it's, it's like I don't agree with anything. Katie, well, not anything, but there's some stuff I, I a lot of her, what, what she says I don't really agree with. But it's not down to anybody to say like you shouldn't be allowed to say that. Um, like it, I I did a joke for a while about. Um, do you remember Count Dankula and his pug? Count Dankula, the Scottish comedian who's now like a darling of the alt right. So I feel kind of, no. I feel kind of bad mentioning it, but he had a little pug that he taught no. to raise its paw whenever he said "gas the Jews." Like, do you remember that <laughs> happening? It was like a big news story about it. I will be YouTubing it. Like, as soon as we're done. <laughs> like I, I was of the opinion, like I didn't really find it funny <laughs> apart from the pug not really knowing what was going on and therefore being a perfect straight man. It, it just, like... But at the same time, I don't... Like, he went to prison for a bit about it, and the court said... Um, like, the, the magistrate said, the court will decide your intentions of... The, the intentions of your speech, which is, like, the most dangerous thing ever, because what's to stop anybody putting Elton John behind bars because he thinks Saturday night's all right for fighting? Like... <laughs> And that that was like the the, the the whole idea. Like I stopped doing it because like once he like like well, once he was really um, talking about some stuff that I like, I couldn't really get on. Like I couldn't even fathom being associated with by doing a joke about it when I'm kind of defending him. Um, like it, it, like it, it's just one of those things where you're like I tried like, I wanted to help but no I I can't be around I can't even be associated with you know it's that you know even. Tiny little voice in the darkness, kind of a thing. I think that's the future for me and Gav. To be honest, I think that's a conversation 
Gav's going to have in his head one day. Really? Like, I just can't be around him. I do feel like like just... the way things are going, like in 10 years' time, if I do make it as a comedian <laughs> or, or anything, I do pro- like, I'm do. i probably going to have to apologise for something I've said on this podcast. I'll probably say... And, and like retroactively, like what you said was terrible by today's standards. Well, but it wasn't there. It's not, you know... Yeah, you know, there's things that 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 were said when I was a kid, which you definitely wouldn't say now, um, because you know we evolve as a species, all like you know as a society as well. Um, you know, you you learn, you know, and as you learn, you realise, no, don't say that; that will hurt their feelings. Um, or no, that's actually a terrible word; it should never be said because you know the connotations of all that kind of stuff. But still, like, I think one. Sorry, the, yeah, go ahead. One of the lucky about growing up. A little getting into comedy and, and stuff as a little as an older person was my youth and the stupid things you say in your youth. It hasn't been recorded. Oh, thank God, people. Yeah, and and Kim's all their social media and Twitter and and all of that. That is like recorded. Yeah, like I feel so really I bad for for especially yeah. young men nowadays because I remember like not really being able to form a coherent thought like regarding women other than like like I didn't know exactly what I was going to do but I knew it would involve some sort of like you know like, like, no sorry I didn't really know what I wanted but I knew it involved something to do with the you know that but and, and yeah basically um, and you know filling like, an orifice what, what a lot of you know and what a lot of people forget and what a lot of there we go people perhaps don't understand is like just how powerful that hormone, those hormone lurges are. You don't really have, like, you're not a fully formed human being as it is. Your like, your your body's being completely renewed, and like you're, you're discovering this newfound like power that your body has. Because you know, when you're a ten year old, struggle to you know to do anything, you know, anything kind of physical, and then as puberty hits and stuff like that, and you realise like, you know, your body's becoming, and it's it's fucking terrifying. And then you've got these strange nice smelling other creatures that you've got to try and talk to and not make a complete dickhead out of yourself but you can't really think because all you're thinking is i wonder what color her nipples are and like <laughs> you, you can't say that out loud but that's what you want to say i still yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but like it was probably worse when you were a kid as well right like that was probably <laughs> but the and, and like there's there's not a great many like male role models for younger men that are about a lot like you know, i mean with divorces and stuff like that like the, the dads are out of the picture sometimes and sometimes it's deadbeat dads or whatever but when i was a kid there were, like the only male teacher i had was the rugby coach so like you know you're surrounded yeah. by all that energy in that and thank god nothing could ever be rec- like you know nothing was ever recorded unless it was with a great you know you could see somebody with a dictaphone kind of a thing but like these poor, like I, I do really feel for them. Like, no, you shouldn't say that. But they don't really have anybody to tell them not to say that, do they? Like, there's nobody to learn from. Well, yeah. But then, like, oh. I'm sure if the media is like well, the best, Kevin Hart. Like, like, <laughs> like, nobody can live up to those standards that are set on the internet. It's impossible. Like, I, I know a friend, uh, a friend of mine's a proper child of the internet he's, he's very much like the, the reddit sjw stuff and like he gets upset with himself for saying things that you just say in normal like you know the, the way he says things to people 
and you know about you know being condescending and stuff like that and getting all upset because he was condescending to a woman but yeah like did you feel like being condescending was the correct way to go because she was being stupid <laughs> or did you feel like the way that condescending was the correct way to go because she's a woman and therefore beneath you well she's being stupid there we go then <laughs> that's completely fine <laughs> That must be horrible. Yeah, to I mean, like, I mean, I think we all have those moments in, where in that sort of way, rather you know, than just sort of not through our own volition, but where we accidentally say something ignorant because we don't know any better, or it's just you know maybe it's a slip of a, like like everybody's guilty of it, saying something. You know, everybody's had that. Oh, I just wish I could disappear. Yeah, but that's part of growing up. Like, but that's the. Th- that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's the, it's the, yeah, it's the or, fact that you have to, really you can sorry, after that, just put your hands like, up. Oh, go, I'm really sorry, yeah, mate. I didn't, mean, like, I didn't mean to. If you can just do that, I didn't mean if, for if that you to felt you come were. out the way it did, kind of a thing. Or like, I didn't even realise that word was, you know, that, that sort of thing. And yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's got like, it's every, everybody, I think everybody wants to be nice. Like, every, every nobody goes out in the morning and is just like, I want somebody to cry. I think that those people do exist, <laughs> but like, there's not many of them, are there? Like, I've had children with people. Like uh, yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, teenage girls might be the ones, but I, I think they, they have specific targets, don't they, from what I understand from mean girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I had a good time with this, man. I hope it was uh, just as... Well, I think we're going to have to wrap it up there, boys. Good for you. <laughs> as always it's educational for me that's the... <laughs> in different ways I'm, I'm we didn't get to do craig's films which i think craig's films should be the section we, did cover should a get, bit we should get a jingle but for again, that it was like you know the same with ben and yourself like if there's nobody nobody's joining in so far the best the best porn chat we have had has been with like the only female we've well, had on. Yeah, well, enough. I mean, Vicky, like you can. It's an old joke, but like Vicky's got enough tattoos that you can tell that she likes a bit of pain. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a really classy lady, so like, there's definitely. <laughs> yeah, I love Vicky. I've so much time. Everybody who listens to her podcast. Last week, those oh, not I, like, like I said, I have not <laughs> laughed so hard in quite a while. So thank you very much, boys. No, that was good. I appreciate you today, Grant. Thank no you problems. I hope it goes well. I hope uh, you guys go from strength to strength and have me back on at a later date, maybe. Okay, thank you very much. All yeah, right. we will do, mate. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you See coming you on today. Bye. Thank you ever so much for joining us for this edition of the Lampoon Podcast, sponsored by Above and Bold. Next up, our guest will be Isaac HP. Make sure you stay tuned for that one.